There are many issues that we have when we talk about our digestive system, issues that we have to deal with, and certainly there are a lot of tests and a lot of treatments for them. One of the big issues we certainly see in primary care is chronic constipation. It's a common problem that affects approximately 15% of people in the United States. Tonight we're going to talk about constipation, and we're going to talk about a new way that we can look at it and perhaps approach it and help our patients deal with it. Hi, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me today is Dr. Anish Sheff. He is a gastroenterologist. He's with the University Medical Center of Princeton. And first of all, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's going to be an interesting topic, I think, because we really do deal a lot of GI issues in primary care, and it certainly is something that we face. And um, you're actually doing something uh, pretty interesting, I think, talking about how you could use a vibrating capsule to help alleviate constipation. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, that's a, it's an interesting question, and, uh, you know, it's one of the things chronic constipation, you know, affects about 35 million Americans, um, which is obviously quite a, quite a health burden, and, and obviously if you're suffering from chronic constipation, it's, it certainly can affect your quality of life. So there's always this search for uh, newer treatments, and if, if we can, you know, accomplish that with, with minimal side effects, that's the goal. And this vibrating capsule that you speak of, is something that is thought to stimulate peristalsis, which we know is basically the the uh, rhythmic movement downstream uh, that our intestines propel food and digested uh, debris, uh, and is also how we expel stool. So for individuals that have chronic constipation, one of the issues that may be at hand is that we have something called slow transit constipation, where the colon doesn't move uh, as uh, frequently or as uh, forcefully as it should, and this vibrating capsule is thought to stimulate this reflex and, and help people go to the bathroom. Let's start back at the beginning, because I wanted to not bury the lead. I wanted to talk about this device and the excitement surrounding it, but if we start back at the beginning, what are some of the most common causes of constipation You know that we would see in the office as primary care providers? I think the distinction here is there's, this, there's occasional constipation, which I think many of us have experienced when we're stressed out at work or if we're traveling or if our diet changes. And these symptoms are usually, you know, quickly remedied by changing our diet and drinking more water. The real focus, I think, and the real concern for both patients and for physicians is when people have recurring symptoms, so symptoms that keep coming back. And sometimes dietary and lifestyle changes may not be enough for these patients, and so we want to talk, you know, really have these patients and encourage patients to have a candid conversation with their physician about their symptoms so that appropriate treatment can be rendered. And when you have that conversation, obviously it isn't always easy for the patients. They don't necessarily want to bring it up, but I guess if they're going into the doctor at that point, it's gotten bad enough that they probably aren't too shy at that stage. Yeah, I think it's interesting. As a, as a gastroenterologist, I can tell you that it's amazing how many patients I see in the office who are sent to me, say, for some other gastrointestinal complaints, say gastroesophageal reflux or, or even colon cancer screening, a discussion, and we'll go through the entire, you know, visit, and then only at the end or if we do, do like a review of systems will they actually bring up the issues with their bowels. And I think it speaks to some of the uncertainty and sometimes the reluctance of patients to speak about these symptoms. Um, and I think it's important as physicians that we encourage individuals to speak about their bowel habits and, and also for your for the patients that are listening out there to really kind of, uh, I guess, bury the stigma and to really feel, uh, feel comfortable in speaking with the physician about 
um, constipation symptoms. And I think one important point here, Brian, is that I think people feel like constipation just is, well, I haven't gone to the bathroom in a long time. And it turns out, yes, having less than three bowel movements per week does make a kind of a chronic constipation. But you can also be going more regularly, but if the stools are hard to pass or difficult to pass, if it's associated with abdominal pain, you know, patients may be suffering from irritable bowel syndrome with constipation um, as well. What are some of the best treatments that you have used for constipation, for the simplest things and then moving beyond, uh, for the, again, the, the things you'd go to first? Yeah, occasional constipation, you really have to stress water intake and dietary fiber intake. And dietary fiber intake, that there's no real magic number, but a, a good rough rule of thumb is about 25 grams of fiber a day, which is going to be made up of both soluble and insoluble fiber. That kind of coupled with regular exercise, I think we'll get a lot of the people who have occasional constipation better. Recurring symptoms that keep coming back uh, despite these measures often require other, uh, usually pharmacologic intervention. And these can be broken down into several things. And some of these are prescription medications. Some of these are over-the-counter medications. But, you know, laxatives in general are, for the most part, broken up into two main categories. And there are the osmotic laxatives, which tend to be a little bit more gentle in terms of uh, just drawing fluid and water into the GI tract. And then the uh, more aggressive um, kind of stimulant laxatives uh, can also be helpful and are appropriate in certain situations. So I think that's really where that candid conversation between you, between the patient and the physician can really determine, number one, if medications are needed, and number two, if they are necessary, which ones would be best. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me is Dr. Anish Sheth. He is a gastroenterologist. He's with the University Medical Center of Princeton, and he is talking with us about constipation as a GI issue and what's associated with it. And we're going to talk now a little bit more about this device. Uh, Essentially, we started off the program referring to it. Essentially, I guess the best way to describe it, it, it's a vibrating capsule that helps a little bit with peristalsis. Is that, that how you would summarize it? Yeah, so it's a capsule that patients uh, patients can swallow, and you know we have capsules you know used for other uh, aspects of gastroenterology that take pictures or take video of the GI tract. There are some that actually measure the motility of the GI tract. So this capsule does none of those things, but it basically with this sort of high oscillating frequency of vibrations. Um, once ingested, was shown in several studies to, uh, again, stimulate peristalsis, uh, improve the number of what we call complete spontaneous bowel movements, um, and overall improve uh, symptomatology of chronic constipation with really no side effects. And when you're talking about something like this, a capsule, what size is it? Is it easy to swallow? Yeah, it's the size, I mean, the way we describe it, it's the size of a, a regular vitamin. Um, so some people have trouble swallowing pills, but for the most part, uh, again, in the studies, it was remarkably well tolerated. And, you know, if people can swallow a regular size vitamin, they can swallow the, the vibrating capsule as well. Now, a couple questions I was talking with some of my partners at work about, and they said, you know, one of the concerns, they said, well, gee, people really worry about swallowing batteries or having that. Is there a battery that's in that that causes it to vibrate? How does it move? Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's a vibrating thing. It, it, is, it is battery-powered, but, uh, you know, this is all encapsulated within the, uh, obviously within the capsule, and it's a pretty robust capsule. And, again, in the studies, there were no issues of, you know, contamination or leakage. And, again, this 
capsule is typically passed within, you know, 24 to 48 hours in those patients. Yeah, well, you answered one of my questions. I was going to say that usually is during the normal, I guess, bowel movements. It happens. Now, would they use that once uh, to relieve one episode, or is it used repeatedly? What's the plan with the capsule as it's being used in the study? Yeah, no, I think obviously you, you would buy a packet of these capsules and, uh, you know, it would be used periodically. Again, this is sort of more of a kind of a proof of concept situation in terms of, you know, if there's a dose to be had with a vibrating capsule, I think that's, again, going to be tailored to the individual patient. And I think for those of us in practice, both gastroenterologists and primary care physicians, it's, um, you know, that those issues of how frequently and how many and how often, how many times per week, those things are all still yet to be worked out. You talked about the fact that we, we talked about that, you know, there's not concern about battery leakage. Are there side effects that you've seen that would be of concern uh, as part of the process? Well, I think the only concern here is that, you know, you want to make sure that in, um, in patients who have chronic digestive complaints, who have uh, constipation, maybe accompanied by abdominal pain, you just want to make sure there's no concerns over, um, you know, partial bowel obstructions or blockages where this capsule could potentially get stuck. So I think that's the main thing is that you just want to do the appropriate workup ahead of time and, you know, just make sure that this capsule, that's really the main side effect of all capsule-type therapies and diagnostic testing in, in, uh, in, in gastroenterology is that if there's any kind of narrowing of the gastrointestinal tract, there is a theoretical risk that the capsule could get stuck and result in a bowel obstruction. Yeah, you led to one of my points, which is a couple of things. Like, what, for instance, if there was a diverticuli or something, can that kind of a device get trapped? Yeah, not and not typically. Colonic diverticular are, are so small that this capsule won't get stuck there. I guess theoretically, if you had some large, you know, outpouching in the small intestine, it could certainly. Uh, but again, not in the studies that were done, this uh, was remarkably well tolerated. What about people who have like, and they may not have these symptoms, but if they have ulcerative colitis. Uh, you know, uh, irritable bowel, Crohn's, those things. Are there anybody who's excluded from being part of it? Yeah, well, again, those patients were specifically, I guess, not studied in the initial trials. The patients that were studied, again, were patients who do suffer these 35 to 40 million patients who have chronic constipation without sort of the associated inflammatory bowel diseases and, and things of that sort. They were excluded from the study. So it doesn't mean that we can't use it in these patients, but I think for the time being, we really see the role of this uh, really in, in other therapies that are, you know, coming down the road in, in treating this sort of large population of patients who just have either infrequent bowel movements or difficult-to-pass bowel movements. Sure. Another question I had following up on that, too, is how are the results so far? Yeah, so um, basically the studies are small, um, but most patients uh, swallowed the capsule twice a week, and, you know, essentially... The, and the number of bowel movements per week in the studies uh, doubled. Um, so on average, patients at baseline were going to the bathroom twice per week, and uh, that increased to about four times per week. Um, and, you know, patients also reported less difficulty in passing stools. And, again, none of the patients really had significant side effects. What is your approach for primary care docs who are listening as far as constipation, other issues of when you think that it's best to refer have opportunities to take advantage of a gastroenterologist and things we could do better or, or use uh, your services in a better way from your perspective? It's uh, a great question. I think, I, think the, I think for the most part, chronic constipation that responds to 
either lifestyle dietary changes or sort of gentle over-the-counter laxatives, I think for the most part, you know, without these red flag symptoms, which, you know, we speak of, which is sort of anemia or blood in the stool, you know, significant abdominal discomfort. I think clearly those patients, the majority of those patients are, um, you know, obviously well-managed in the primary care setting. I think once you get into patients who have a sudden change in bowel habits, maybe associated with a change in stool caliber, maybe a fecal called blood test positive, um, you know, things of more abdominal discomfort. So when we're really considering, say, irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, that's a subset of patients where additional medications may be needed. And I think those medications which target the kind of intestinal sensitivity found in the irritable bowel syndrome component, those patients may be better served seeing a gastroenterologist. You know, I think one thing we can say about ourselves as gastroenterologists is we may be doing too many procedures on patients who otherwise have, again, chronic constipation. Uh, but I think pharmacologically, you know, I think if gentle laxatives and dietary changes aren't achieving either benefit for bowel movement frequency or, or, or stool caliber or abdominal pain, then I think those patients can certainly benefit because there are medications now that can not just increase the frequency of bowel movements but can directly target the discomfort that's associated with both chronic idiopathic constipation and irritable bowel syndrome with constipation. We only have about a minute left. We're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you, is there something that I did not bring up that you felt we should talk about while we have an opportunity? Yeah, I think this is important. One interesting thing that most folks haven't heard about is something called the Bristol Stool Scale, and it's actually a seven-point scale, a visual scale, but a numerical scale to actually assess your bowel habits. And I think it's a good way, we talked earlier on, about how patients can discuss these and feel comfortable discussing their bowel habits with their physician. And I think a quick search online will, you know, will give them the breakdown and they can go into their physician's office and say, you know what, this is what my stool is like. This is what it was like. What do you think is going on? And it can serve as kind of a frame of reference for patients and physicians to just start this discussion about constipation and irritable bowel syndrome with constipation. Well, Dr. Anish Sheth, we have run out of time. I want to thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your insights on primary care today. Thanks for having me, Brian. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash Primary Care Today to download the podcast and learn more on the series. Thank you for listening.